If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hey guys, this is Charles here, Mono White Guy from the Mind Sculptors, and I'm here with my co-host Ryan from Playing with Power. Hey everyone, this is Ryan from Playing with Power. We are a YouTube channel that plays a CEDH and does a bunch of things around the top end of this wonderful format. Alright. So we are here today with our guest, Sheldon Minery. Sheldon, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey everybody. Uh, if you don't know who, my, who I am, my name is Sheldon Henry, and my job is getting yelled at on the internet. <laughs> that is a wonderful introduction. All right, so um, so I'm a, I'm the the founding member of the uh, Commander Rules Committee, uh, and uh, so one of its active members. And I guess you could call me the face of the format. Nice, nice. Yeah, so this is a new series that we're working on. You guys might be wondering, why do I have Ryan on here and Sheldon? Uh, well, Ryan and I have been longtime casual players. We actually started playing Commander um, from the casual perspective, and we've moved over to playing competitive EDH. And in our long tenure of playing this format, we have met several players, played in several different pods and games and have seen a variety of different players with perceptions of what is casual commander, what is competitive commander. And we our our content with the mind sculptors and playing with power have often been focused towards the competitive demographic. And uh, we've seen other content creators and have worked with other content creators who have worked more exclusively with the casual uh, side of commander. And what we thought would be nice would be to bond these two types of demographics together and talk about the various interconnecting dynamics of casual commander and competitive commander. And we have Sheldon here today to talk about a particular thing that uh, I think has been the hot topic, or at least the hot topic for a couple of weeks now, which is the banning of Golos. Now... Before we start, I want to say we are not going to talk about unbanning Golos or anything like that. This is more of a conversation to to understand more about uh, the format about Commander and why things are the way they are and give, give players the ability or the tools to be more informed about the format that they play and the people that they play with, because there are a lot of people who play this game and uh, the more informed the player base is, I, we believe uh, the more uh, salient or positive their feedback is to people like Sheldon. Cause I think we've all been there and before. And if you, if any of you old fogies are still here, 
Uh, you can go to MTG Salvation, pull up the forum where they've banned Primeval Titan, and replace every instance of the word Primeval Titan with Golos, <laughs> right? And you will see no difference. So I'm sure for Sheldon's sake, he would love to have some refreshing conversations about what you agree or disagree about the Golos banning. But like I said, today we're not going to talk about whether or not it was the right call, but more of understand where this is all coming from. And we'll talk about different perspectives between the casual and the competitive player experience. I take offense to that old fogey statement. I was around when primetime was banned, first of all. So <laughs> I was there too. All right. I'm calling myself an old fogey. All right. Hey, hey, Sheldon, were you around when the primetime was yeah. banned? <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think I think we can add up both of your ages. And I still have a few years in between. I'd say you probably we still got a delta between us. So. Uh, I am. I look deceptively young for my age. I'll t- I'll say that, but I won't let the viewers know how old I actually am. I I look deceptively haggard for my age. So that's <laughs> that's that's the that's the line I'll keep using. I mo- I moisturize, so uh, <laughs> you should you should give me some tips because apparently I feel I okay. <laughs> All right, so. Uh, without further ado, I think one of the first things I, I want to ask you, Sheldon, and uh, so we can get this ball rolling a bit, and I think it would be helpful for our audience, uh, and I know you've written articles about these before, so I, I'm, I'm sorry you have to repeat yourself, but uh, why don't you tell us um, like why the ban list exists? Right. Most people are are thinking like, oh, but we have rule zero. And, you know, why is there even a ban list in the first place? And uh, and sort of give give it in a way so that um, when the RC bans a card. Right. And I'm not going to try and scare anyone, but let's say like tomorrow, Sheldon's like, all right, announcement. We're banning Mana Crypt. OK, Uh Without anyone going and and crashing the Commander RC website, <laughs> it happens. It, it happens. Mm-hmm. Like I literally just was like, just just take me to the Google Drive doc. Right. <laughs> without yep. Yep. without anyone crashing the Commander RC website, uh, you know, if you banned Manacrypt, what does the RC you know expect players to understand when a card like Manacrypt is banned without having to explain anything? Like, what should be uh, what ought to be the player expectation or understanding when they announce a banning of a card? What are the things they should I, look for? The, I mean, the simple, the, the simple answer, this is, a, this is an, a question that deserves a very complex answer. Mm-hmm. Um, Take your time. The, <laughs> the, simple answer, the simple answer there is that when a card gets banned, that we feel that it's a negative experience for the format as a whole. Um, players sometimes get hung up on on what a card does. Well, Golos does this, and it's you know that's not that bad. Or Primetime does this, and it's not that, that bad. But it's not just what a card does that will get it banned. It's what a card does to the format. And I, I think the 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 big takeaway, the, the relatively TLDR takeaway when you when a card gets banned is that we really think because we want to keep the ban list short we really think that that this particular card is bringing a broad 
negative net experience to the format. Um, Commander, Commander is unlike any other magic format. We're the only one that has a philosophy, um, right? And we're the, we're the only one that manages the band list more as an art form than as a science, right? Standard, the standard band list arguably is a very scientific process. They, they get tournament data, they see, you know, whatever, whatever their data is, um, they apply that data set to what, you know, sort of a, um, an expectation of play. And if a card is violating their, their expectation of play and they have the numbers to back it up, they'll ban it. Um, we, we're a lot fuzzier around the edges and kind of intentionally so, right? So the ban, the ban list is only part of the narrative of Commander. Uh, I understand for a lot of people that they can only, they only see the hard edges, right? Some people are like, here are the lines. This card is legal. That card is not legal. That's all I need to know. Um, you know, back when we had the old website, uh, we could, you know, we saw the number of hits for each page during update season and four times the number of people read the new ban list, then read the new philosophy document. You know, so when we, we put them out, the, the new philosophy document or the updated philosophy document and a ban list at the same time, most people were just reading the ban list. They didn't, you know, they didn't want to get through the six paragraphs or whatever it is on the philosophy document. Um, and I get that. Like, I, I get that I get player experience coming uh, from other formats. They're like, they're a box. You know, other formats are really a box. These sets are legal. Uh, these cards are legal. And you have a, you have a pretty, um, an extremely well-defined environment. Whereas in Commander, again, the bandless is just one part of the tool of telling the story that we're trying to tell. And this, this broad play experience, this positive communal play experience is what we want to foster. But we want to do it in a way that doesn't necessarily have to have the, the real um, sort of uh, nuclear option of the band list. Like we, like we, we could definitely craft the vision of what we see as great commander games by banning 40 more cards. Mm-hmm. But that, that is a, a, a weight like a hundred card band list is just a weight that, that we don't want players to have to carry. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, it's that's way too big. It's just, it, it does something to um, uh, prevent people from easily getting into the format, from grasping the format, from from the experience. So we we have a we have this sort of fungible ground that we're working on, and you know we could we could easily philosophically um, ban five or ten more cards and be consistent with the philosophy document. We could probably unban five more cards and still be consistent with the philosophy document. Uh, so it really is a picture swinging back around to, to directly answer the question. 
it's about it's about creating this picture that we think provides the best possible play experience. Um, but there's no you know people think that there's a perfect play experience, and I don't think that's the case, right? But the answer to this question is band list could be 40 cards. It could be 43 cards. It could be 37 cards. And all of those would be good answers, uh, uh, certainly within our philosophy. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, uh, what are your thoughts about it? And And since you have quite the multifaceted experience with this, and you also just recently did a podcast about it, uh, I'll ask you, what do you think about this from a competitive player's uh, perspective? Like if you were a competitive player and you saw that a card like Mana Crypt got banned tomorrow, right? Uh, what do you think is, without without considering anything that Sheldon had just said, right? <laughs> what do you think is the natural competitive player's response to that? So I guess it really just depends on which competitive player you're talking about. Because <clears throat> just like how... Cause Competitive is commander. Obviously, it's just a certain sector of the format. Um, what we really have are we have your super enfranchised competitive players, the ones that have been doing this forever, you know, for years and years and years. You have the ones that are relatively new to the format, uh, the ones that, you know, maybe went over from modern or maybe went over from another competitive 1v1 format and like what we like what this part of the format was doing and gave it a shot. You have your uh, ones that came from Commander, did the arms race thing and got into the competitive and they're brand new to it. Um, and so depending upon which of these people that you're talking about, you're really probably going to get a lot of different answers. So kind of from the perspective of competitive, as I will say, from the perspective of someone who's enfranchised. I mean, I'm a content creator. I, I see so much different different pieces of content and stuff like that. I'm, I'm so much more enfranchised than the, the typical, I would say magic slash commander slash whatever player. Um, because I, I just have so much more of a finger on the pulse of things. And so I have a lot more perspectives than I would say there's uh, of a certain other people out there who may be not as enfranchised. And as such, I know certain things maybe about the ban list that others don't. Um, so, but from a competitive perspective, seeing something like the ban list, usually take things at face value. Um, you say, okay, well, these are the things that are banned, right? So let's say that I'm brand new to the format. Uh, and I say, okay, here's the competitive ban list. You know, I didn't get a copy of the old philosophy document in the pre-con. So I have no idea what that even is, you know, but you know, you do know, you did roughly look up what the ban list is. And so you say, oh, okay, well, this is banned. Okay, that makes sense. And Power 9, that makes sense. Okay. And then you see things like, you know, Biorhythm and Coalition Victory. And you're not really sure why those are there. Um, and, but, you know, you say, okay, well, they've been on here forever, so I'm going to just do it. Uh, and then you get into the format. You play something like Golos, like our conversation today. And all of a sudden you see that it's banned. And from a competitive perspective, you say, okay, well, we play more in the hard edges. You know, we we that's the re, that's one of the things we love. We want to see how far we can break something and and, you know, break it back and forth in a pod together and to see something from the hard edges and look at it and say, OK, well, was was Golos necessarily a problem or something like that, which we won't get into today. Um, you know, we look at those things from that type of perspective. We start to do card comparisons. We say, well, was this as bad as that? 
Uh, we start to do uh, comparisons based upon play experiences in a competitive sense. Well, was Golos as broken as we thought it was? Like maybe was it like Flash or something like that? Or was it like any of those other, you know, any other card that could really just create, like you said, an unfun play experience? And if it doesn't meet that, for lack of a better terminology, burden of proof, we scratch our heads a little bit. Now, are we ones to say, you know, grab our pitchforks and, you know, take to the streets or something like that? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, you guys can't see it, but but Sheldon is nodding his head. (laughs) (laughs) He's 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 had to put up his gates many times. He he had to lock up his doors a few times. Yes, Yes. And we understand why, because one thing that is a universal truth, I think, among all of Commander and a lot of magic is that we're very passionate. You know, I've said many times that magic is more than just a game. It's a form of self-expression. You know, that's why you have color identities that you, you know, prescribe to archetypes you prescribe to and, and things like that. And so whenever something like this, you know, gets announced or something like that, and you don't kind of see it coming, you are left scratching your head. Um, and not necessarily in a good or bad way, because we understand that, Commander is fundamentally broken as a format, but that's why people love playing it. So, they so love right to see the philosophy it. document. Yeah, 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 it's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it is, it's broken. And, you know, contrary to what a lot of people believe, a lot of the enfranchised competitive players don't actually want 20, 30 things added to the ban list. Um, one of the things we think is so great is the fact that we can do the most broken things that you could ever do in Magic's history. Uh, that's why we love the competitive end of it. You know, like see how fast you can win with a singleton deck, you know, uh, see how, you know, compact you can get these cards, see how consistent you can make these things, see how crazy something like ad nauseum, pure into the abyss, necropotence can be with a higher life total. That's what really, that's one of the things that we absolutely love and we breathe it day in and day out. Um, so if something was, when you're looking at those from these types of perspectives, even from the hard edges, we still, as a whole, the enfranchised community definitely knows that we would rather, even though we explore the hard edges, we would want to make sure that Commander as a whole doesn't explore those hard edges and does keep them soft. Because so many things would be banned if, if everybody was exploring the hard edges like we were. Uh, so many more things would be banned. And that would make it a lot harder to get into the format. Hey, have you read the 250 card ban list? Oh, right. one of those cards is banned. You can't play your deck. Oh, well, that's a. And so that's that's not fun. We want the we want this format to stay as big as it is and grow even bigger. And we don't want to be restricted to a point where it just feels like another one v one format. That's that's not what we're looking for in Commander. We want that. We'll go to a one v one format. Legacy's there. Modern's there. Standard technically exists, but you know. <laughs> Well, I mean, one of the one of the anxieties is that we we have the decay of eternal formats, right? Mm-hmm. I, I I know that there are people that are going to scream at me about this, but legacy legacy and vintage are dying formats. The people the people that are playing them are super passionate and they love them, uh, but I really and I I think maybe we saw some more of their play globally during the pandemic because of of webcam play. Um, And probably also because people are a lot more liberal with proxies over webcam. Um, But, but I, yeah, I, I think those formats are waning. Um, 
and that's that's not the that's not a commentary on the formats themselves or the players mm-hmm. that play them. Um, but I think that that as they diminish, there are, there are going to be players that matriculate to the only other eternal format that there is to play. Like if I want to play, if I want to play vintage or legacy, but I can't get enough people together to play, well, where else can I play my vintage and legacy cards? Mm -hmm. And the answer is commander. So, so they're going to come over and, and there's a mindset that comes from those formats, which are intensely competitive. Mm -hmm. Uh, that that comes that comes with those players, uh, and I think that there's there's a weight that that adds for us because they there's an expectation from from many of those players it's like, well, this is what I want out of you know legacy is what I want out of the format. I can't have legacy, so you need to make this thing into a thing that I <laughs> that I that I want and like. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna resist that call if folks don't mind. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah, I, I think that from a mindset where you know, because we're, I, I I think a lot of this episode is is going to be about exploring mindsets mm-hmm. of players. Um, and I think that mindset uh, contextualizes some of the pressure uh, that that we have about certain cards. Absolutely. I think uh, this is this is kind of the insight that, that, that we want to sort of shed light uh, with you, the listeners, uh, is sort of where everyone kind of comes from and how these kinds of things uh, come up, why the conversation is the way that it is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and we'll, we'll dive a little bit more in, into it. I want to add and piggyback off of what both of you have said, because uh, there is some parallelisms, I think, to Commander as a format. Uh, for one thing, this is that, uh, like you said, Sheldon, it is an unnatural format compared to other card games in general. Every single card game that has been created, Flesh and Blood, Hearthstone, uh, Legends of Runeterra, um, and, and any of the Magic of the Gathering formats, uh, circles itself on empirical data that focuses on tournament results and uh, play frequencies, uh, and uh, they will cater to that based on how the competitive market uh, yeah. demonstrates the performance of these cards. Whereas Commander, and this is a really important thing because I think uh, one of the things that we we can mention is the fact that Commander was originally just called Elder Dragon Highlander. Mm-hmm. Like the original rules was that you had to play with an Elder Dragon as your general. Right. It wasn't called a commander. It was yeah. just called a general. general. Right. Yeah. And, and, and what's so fascinating about that was that if you look at these elder dragon cards, just go to gather or scryfall and, and look them up. They do not look like great cards. <laughs> I mean, there, there might be a, there might be a case for Nico Bolas specifically. Cause he had, say, Nico Bolas he no had such a powerful effect. Yeah, oh my Lord. He's no slouch. <laughs> yeah. But, and that's why he was the big bad of the multiverse. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 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 the idea of using singletons, it was deliberately not trying to be competitive. And also the idea was is that because uh, I came around playing this and I might be showing my age now in Kamigawa block. Right. Uh, with like all these legends from Kamigawa. I'm so excited. I really hope, you know, they bring some of that back. Uh, and, and and for for a perspective for some of the 
people who have not been as dated as we are. Um, Kamigawa was not a great set uh, from Wizards' perspective. Like people remember this set fondly. There's been a campaign for it. I love it to death, right? But standard people playing in standard, they were coming off of the high that was the super competitive uh, Mirrodin block with Mirrodin. which introduced affinity for artifacts and and and, and Ravager, uh, Arcbound Ravager. Uh, and, and some of these cards still live today in uh, modern and even in legacy. But the idea, but the idea was is that uh, you had all these really cool legends. They even this was the first set that they introduced uncommon legends as well. And players just felt like, well, these cards are terrible, right? <laughs> like especially when in a competitive in a competitive game, I want to play multiple copies onto the battlefield. And they had a really weird legend rule back then as well. Uh, that I won't really get into, but you can still only keep one of them out. And it, it just didn't feel great. Like these cards just felt really inefficient. Like there was no point to you wanting a legendary creature back then. You would rather just have a non-legendary creature because then you can play multiple copies of it on the battlefield and have multiple duplicates of its effects. Like imagine a white weenie deck that can play multiple Isamarus onto the battlefield, right? And so Commander was was really great in introducing that because it, it made some of these cards that felt bad, exciting in terms of like a brewing perspective. I think that you can go to EDH rec and see how many cards from Kamigawa have impacted commander as a format. Uh, and this is probably one of the reasons why Kamigawa is so well uh, remembered now, even though at the time when it came out, it wasn't so well loved. Uh, and I think that commander might've had an influence on that, but to get to the core of that and the spirit of that, what that meant was that Commander was a format for the people who wanted to play the cards that they loved, but didn't want to really be competitive about, right? These were players who want to burn off steam. And uh, this is actually kind of like the spirit of Magic the Gathering. Like the game was created by Richard Garfield as a way to pass time in between D&D sessions. Uh, and a lot of the old Magic cards had references to stuff like uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Um, uh, like Source of Plowshares was a really funny one because I was just watching uh, a Stephen Colbert video and Stephen Colbert was a huge Dungeons and Dragons nerd. And he explained that back in the old days when you rolled your character sheet, uh, you couldn't just reassign your character attributes. They had to go straight down the row. And so if you just were playing a wizard and you just rolled really poorly on Constitution, your wizard didn't just die by default. Your wizard just became a farmer. Uh, your wizard, the, the the terminology was called your 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 fighter going from swords to plowshares, and 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 it just was never part of the game anymore. And and it just blew my mind. Like, oh, I understand now why the card is called source of plowshares. Like where that idea came from. But uh, what was so interesting about all this is that. Uh, it was, it really is a bit of a casual game. Uh, it was designed to cater towards that market of players. And so, uh, and, and, and it has remained, I think, faithful to that base. Uh, and so when you have other players coming in from other competitive angles, uh, and, and, and coming into this game, uh, there, there is sort of that, uh, misconception of expectations for what the game is supposed to be providing. Right. Uh, and and even to players who 
and and now towards the side of competitive EDH players, people dismiss it as legacy light or vintage light. Uh, and I think like if you look at the unique ban list, if you play this strictly by the rules of the game as stated with no additional modifications, right? There is something really interesting about the about this game and why players gravitate to playing competitive uh, EDH. And this goes into the second thing that I will be bringing up, which is the parallelism that I mentioned earlier. Uh, there is a casual game that is symptomatic like this, that has this type of uh, viralness of so many players who jump into a game that is that was originally casually designed as a party game, but play it competitively. And the game is called Super Smash Brothers. Right. It is a it was a game designed to have your favorite characters from Nintendo beating beating the the living daylights out of each other. And it included funny items so you can play with. But it's really funny when you see the competitive players like just remove all the items. We're going to play with the bare minimums. No additional rules. Final destination only. One V one. Here we go. Right. And it's the same type of symptomatic uh, behavior and, and the same type of expectation and it comes with the same baggage of that type of community and even some of that toxicity uh, and yeah it really just comes with the territory and then uh, if you guys also read Sheldon's article the other thing that I will bring up is that Sheldon actually does mention uh, the game Monopoly uh, and this is also like I think a really fascinating thing with the free parking rule is because uh, you can YouTube this, the actual rules of Monopoly, and also Google search the actual expected playtime of a game of Monopoly. And it's supposed to only last half an hour to an hour, but everyone remembers it as a three hour game. Right. And that's literally it's four in the morning. I'm going to bed. You win, grandma. You, you get it. You get the game. And, and, and this is the other complication about Commander as a format. It was not designed by the original Magic the Gathering designers. It was designed by players who loved the game and wanted to create their own rules for the game to have a more like dynamic experience. If you play competitively, you are going to hit certain boundaries that the game was never intended to like deal with. And we've gone through almost a decade now refining these rules to make this a more streamlined experience. But even then, uh, for players who are not uh, technically savvy or are former uh, level three judges like Sheldon, they're just going to look at this. Four, and, and, four. I thought four, you were four. four. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Does it doesn't even research the guest five. before he comes. Oh my five. god. <laughs> oh wow. See, so there you go. All right. I thought you were four. Oh, All right. Well, I did <laughs> not. Oh, right. I didn't even describe it. Callahan, anymore. cut this part I, I, out. I, I, I apologize. <laughs> yeah, four and five don't four and five don't exist anymore. Yeah. I, I was about to say. Okay. You know, when you when you perfect a thing, sometimes people have to retire it. Yeah, You're, it's like George Washington. You know, you give him that posthumous like six star general or something like that, and then you know, and then they're just like, no one can be higher than Washington. Maybe that's yeah. what it is. And so, yeah, and 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 so some players will be kind of scratching their heads or or just not understanding uh, why the game is designed a certain way or why the rules don't work like this. And and like we we've gone from generations of like the tuck rule to the, the death and exile replacement effects, right? To uh, the colorless... Commander. Yeah, and, and the oh. colorless uh, producing um, effects from your uh, from your lands, right? Mm -hmm. and, and things like that. It 
it has been quite uh, a trip into the world of Commander. And, and I think that some people understanding that context and those origins, I think, are really important. And then also seeing the fact that this is not necessarily unique to the game, but it's not necessarily what you think of it from competitive games like Standard or like other TCGs, but more akin to something that you might see in Smash Bros or like Monopoly uh, as a more apt comparison of what kind of experience that they're looking for here. And also what you can expect from people who play it competitively, because there are competitive Monopoly players and competitive Smash Bros players. And they still also have to work within the lines of how the developers originally intended the design of the game to be. Yeah, we really wanted, I mean, I, when I got my hands on, on Proto Commander back in 2002 or so, um, the, 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 the idea was, and especially as it developed more, um, um, or, or in 2003, early 2004, I really saw the potential of something that we could do when we weren't involved in high-level competitive magic. And, you know, there, there are some folks that, that have come along and it's like, well, you don't understand competitive magic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that's and funny. The, the, I think one of the reasons that Commander is in the place it is right now is because is because I do understand competitive magic, and it's tough sometimes to define a thing as not another thing. But part of the heart of Commander is that we don't want it to be that thing, right? That we that there there are certain pressures that competitive play of a game bring and we would prefer that commander players are free of those pressures like if they want to keep them on themselves they can but the in general we we, we want we want the sort of n- no one's leaning on the gas all the time um that you can just kind of sit back and you know and have it be the beer and pretzels format and it, and the reason, the, I, I really think the reason Commander's popularity exists is because that idea resonated with so many people, right? They were like, yes, I, I just want to play, you know, I just want to play my cards and have a good social time with my friends. And um, I wouldn't call Commander an anti-competitive format, but I would call it an a-competitive format. Yes. Uh, and the... And the, the like again, you can use it like the Smash Brothers comparison is a really good one, Charles. That you can use it for that purpose, but the designers are not going to continue. Are, are not going to be contingent on those, or are, are, are not going to sculpt yeah. it for you. They're they're, they're going to sculpt it toward their original vision. And you know, I think I think our original vision has been pretty successful. So we're going to we're going to stay fresh and still never lose that original concept. Yeah. From a mathematical perspective, you are creating a a set of rules, a superset uh, that encompasses uh, 
a like a large player base, but you also want to make it in such a way that players can create subsets within that superset. So that uh, if you wanted to play like like Super Smash Bros, like there are items in the game for a reason. There are like these really wacky, gigantic stages for a reason. But for competitive play, they include the option of turning every stage into a flat level or a platform stage uh, for competitive purposes. Like it's there for you to use, but there's also all these other things included, and we're not going to strip it down just for that like if they wanted to they could just package smash bros without the items or anything like that but they included their them there for a reason and they want the 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 game's rules to be flexible enough for for that level of play right and the competitive players can willfully strip it down to this specific thing and i think this might actually allude to what you were talking about with like rule zero in a way like that for people who want uh, with, with these rules being like a baseline and other playgroups wanting to be more specific to it. Uh, and I think like, unfortunately with the way of the origins of competitive play and the spirit of competitive play, they will always just play to the letter of the law. Uh, and, and that will be their frustration and demons to deal with. And honestly, I don't know <laughs> where to go with that. It uh, depends actually. So uh, competitive EDH, uh, as, uh, a nickname, if you will, is really just a kind of that, a nickname. We want to see what the absolute outer bounds of this format can do. Um, now, does that mean that we have a you know competitive tournament mindset going in? A lot of times, no. A lot of times we are just, we're just having fun, beer and pretzels, kind of like Sheldon said, uh, in a way that just says, let's just do it with the most broken cards we can do it with. Mm -hmm. And in the most broken strategies and combos we can do it with. And we're still laughing and having a good time and shuffling up and let's say play another. Uh, Now, you know, if we were absolutely in a tournament setting, sure, that would be a little bit of a different expectation and a different pressure. But, you know, the word competitive can sometimes uh, fall under the same problems that the word ban list can fall under. So because they're like, oh well, these are banned and why is this a ban? It doesn't make any sense. And this ban list is stupid and blah, blah, blah. But you're like, well, okay, well, maybe the ban list is doing a little bit more than you think it is. Just like maybe the term competitive is getting a different reaction or reception than I think it's necessarily doing. What competitive really just is at the end of the day and our in our end of this format is just kind of having that rule zero conversation. Um, I will tell you right now that competitive players still have rule zeros. We don't have them as much, but we still have them. Uh, there are plenty of places uh, in the competitive scene where they're like, I don't really want to play against a stacks deck tonight. And we'll pull out a different competitive deck. We'll absolutely do that. And then the other times where they're like, hey, I'm trying to get this the best it could be. Please focus me. Or, hey, Charles, bring out your nastiest land destruction <laughs> deck or something like that. You know, absolutely, you know, Bring me the worst you got because I want to try and see if this thing has legs. We do that all the time, um, just like the casual community does all the time. We always say, "Hey, I want to try this, see if it does anything." Right. So, you, have a, you have a presumed there's a presumed baseline there that you don't have to have a conversation about. So there's a there's a chunk mm-hmm. there's a chunk of the conversation that's sort of been pre had, yep. right? That that mm-hmm. you don't have to go back. Okay. Um, so I want to have this experience. I want to have that experience. Right. You, yeah. you don't have to go down the conquest band list and, mm-hmm. and, you know, 
and list out things. So your conversations are necessarily shorter. Uh, so one of the things I talked to the I hate your deck guys about, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I really applaud their effort in normalizing pregame discussions. Uh, and I, but I, I think one of the things they have to realize that if you if you're on their show, there's already a presumed level of play mm-hmm. that you're that you're playing at. Right. Unless they're breaking out pre-cons, the 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 bar is pretty high. So they're playing within a they're they're having a pregame conversation within a very narrow band as opposed to a very broad one where we might experience as, um, you know, when we sit down at a, you know, at a random table at a magic fest or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, Ryan, I want to I want to push a tiny bit on um on something you said, I, I, my perspective is I don't care how much beer and pretzels that you have. If you're trying to combo out, combo out on turn two, it's never casual. <laughs> interesting. Very there's, interesting. There's, there's, again, like we, you know, we talked, we talked earlier about pressure, right? Mm-hmm. There's always pressure on that game. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. you you, you are, you are hanging on, Every move you're paying attention to, you're paying attention to which fetch land somebody played, and which land they got with it. We do, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're drawing and you're drawing conclusions about the things that are in their hand. So, so there's there there's an amount of effort that's heaped onto that, even if it's something that you do, even something that you do kind of as a second nature now, right? You've how many games have you played in the in the in the you know the CDH metagame as it were, and if it's it's probably in the hundreds or maybe even thousands, it's it's a right? number. <laughs> yep, right? It's a number. So, so you a lot you're shortcutting a lot of, of that in your brain, but mm-hmm. you're still doing it. So I yeah it, I mean it's my it's my assertion that it's it's really hard to be to be casual uh, if the game might end on turn two. Or turn three. There is a great uh, PBS podcast series with Hank Green, uh, the Green Bros, on uh, philosophy, and they have like a bunch of these introduction to philosophy videos. I'm just going to ma- mention this here. There's actually a video on uh, linguistics and names, and one of the subject matters is uh, from a Wittgenstein um, topic called "What is a game." Right. And, and how do you define uh, like what is considered a quote unquote complete game? Uh, and it's a philosophy of art question as well in some ways. And also a metaphysics question, because you can define something as a game. It doesn't have to be a good game, a fun game. Right. But it can still be a game. And that's like the thing that I think that some people get tripped up on, because when you look at something like Marcel Duchamp's like toilet seat, for those of the art fanatics who know about this, uh, or urinal bowl or whatever you call it, they'll they'll be like that's not art. Where someone will say that is an art, it's just not good art, right? Right. And and mm-hmm. so someone might be like, oh, I combo out on turn two, and someone will be like, well, that wasn't a game, right? And someone might be like, well, that was a good game, and then someone else might say, well, that was a game, it just wasn't a good game, mm-hmm. right? And and it's a very it's a very like touchy subject and. It's so weird in some ways uh, 
because I'm coming from a background with a philosophy degree, right? That uh, it, that that it makes me aware sometimes that some people might not even realize that, right? Uh, where they'll be like, um, I didn't have fun or that wasn't a game, but they might not be, uh, uh, how do I describe it? Not, uh, they might not have the conceptual ideas crystallized in their mind to know exactly what went wrong, right? Uh, there's a quote that I've mentioned in another podcast before uh, that I think might have been attributed to Mark Rosewater, which is the fact that players are really good at detecting a problem in the games that they play. They're not necessarily good at knowing what that problem is. And uh, to add on to that, uh, you can be really good at figuring out or noticing or detecting, hey, there is something not right here, right? Being unable to crystallize that thought or identify what is wrong um, will take you down this particular path where not knowing that one thing, not being able to conceptualize it, you will come up with various solutions, thinking that this is the solution to this problem and not realizing that this will create other additional problems, right? Uh, until you kind of figure out what it is is exactly wrong. It's like wading your way through a dark room trying to find the light switch, right? And and you might just hurt yourself doing that. Uh, and uh, these rule zero conversations and the, the, the process of refining that experience, especially when it, it's four players involved and differing perspectives, uh, not necessarily having or like the, the, the articulation or the communication or the knowledge about uh, everything, uh, you might end up with some not stellar games, right? Where someone's like, well, I didn't know that you were going to, you know, do this on turn four, right? Uh, I had a game before where I attacked someone on turn four for 20 points of damage. Uh, and it, it terrified one of the other players that he decided to just play Thassa's Oracle and win with Demonic Consultation. And I was like, why did you have this in your deck? <laughs> like, we, we had this conversation, and he was like, well, you just dealt 20 damage, and so you were clearly trying to, to pub stomp me, right? And I was like, I didn't kill the player, and the player uh, themselves had a board wipe in hand. Like, I was just going to lose my board the next turn, and we could have this back and forth. But maybe... Like, and here's the thing, maybe I could have spread my attackers. So I dealt 10 to one person, five to another and five, and it would look more casual, more innocuous, right? And, and that's sort of like these uh, microscopic interactions that can warp the perception of the resonant experience of the game, right? Uh, like, and this is something that like, I think casual players understand better than competitive players, uh, because competitive players will often seek to to maximize the efficacies of their cards. Like I, I'm only going to cast mm -hmm. a psych rift, right? When, when I'm about to win, or uh, I'm going to uh, play this removal spell when I can two for one it. Whereas mm -hmm. someone would be like, "Oh, wouldn't it be funny if I like chain of vapor your dockside extortionist, and you then sacrifice a land to chain of vapor my dockside extortionist, and then we can start like making these." Uh, dockside, you know, shenanigans, right? Like, because once again, those kinds of players who who want to do something like that are 
there there's like a communication in their mind of like this is the kind of game that we're looking for right mm -hmm. whereas competitive players uh might or be like why would you ever do that right um well, why would you ever run Cyclonic Rift? It only hits your opponent's <laughs> permanence. <laughs> you can't bounce your own dock side. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You can't bounce your own dock side with it. See, that's that competitive mindset kicking in again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, and so it's, um, uh, so, so actually speaking about this with like the casual mindset, uh, going into this, uh, what do you, Sheldon, what do you think? Cause, cause you, um, trying to, maintain the integrity of this format uh to still be welcoming and encompassing of casual players um how like so so we'll, we'll go into the goal list banning in, in this as a particular example of this because uh this was something similar to like the prime time issue where everyone was running prime time everyone played it like a hot potato they were stealing it reanimating it right copying, copying it. it it was primary. Yeah, yep. like I remember back in the days where I was playing mono red, and one of my favorite things to do was to heat shimmer someone else's primeval titan and then grab Valakut Molten Pinnacle and then swing with yep. my prime titan and then grab like two more mountains with that. Oh man, it was it was so great, right? <laughs> and and everyone else look, and, and kill the other player's prime time along with it, right? Because uh, it's just six damage to them, and they're just like, dude, that's not cool. Wow, that sounds like an unfun play experience. <laughs> Yeah. I wonder and if Primetime's still around. <laughs> yeah, and then there was Sylvan Primordial, and people were still doing the same thing with that, yep. right? But not only is like, oh, I'm blowing up their lands, it's like, oh, I'm just going to blow up, you know, uh, this enchantment, this, I'm just going to three for one. But anyway, like, the the, the casual players, uh, there, there was a large number of them playing Primeval Titan back then, and I think there was a similar kind of uh, outlook with, with Golos, and sort of like the weighing of that type of decision-making and sort of considering like the casual player's perspective, what did you expect was going to be the casual player experience when you guys were deliberating on like banning considerably, according to EDH rec, one of the most popular commanders for casual play? Well, I mean, you have to know, first you have to know going in that uh, the card is popular, which means banning it is not going to be popular. Right. You have to you have to be you have to be willing to to stand against the wave of feedback that you're going to get from that. It's not going to be a universal thing. Um, you know, when we uh, there were there were some extremely vocal opponents of uh, the Paradox Engine ban, but for the most part, everybody's like, OK, I get it. Um, you know, that there were there there were obviously a few who. Like, oh, you didn't need to do that, or I only play the card fairly. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I just, I think that's right. I apologize. Go ahead. <clears throat> um, I say that sure, to the Urza you know. players, too. <laughs> um, but, but again, you know, we, I, I want to go back to the, to the, everything is done with a 10,000 foot view. And, and again, it's what a card does to the format in addition to what the card may do to games, right? Um, you had to be prepared to play against the Primeval Titan, right? It was going to show up in your game. Prophet of Crucifix was going to show up in your game. Mm -hmm. So when, so when you're building a deck, now you have to, you have to start thinking about, Oh, well, there's going to be that card 
in my game. Now what am I going to do? And the, it starts it starts this in almost imperceptible um, narrowing of your card pool in a supposedly in casual format, way. right? In, well, in an unhealthy way, mm-hmm. right? Narrowing the card pool for, you know, we, we're big believers that restriction breeds creativity, right? But, but when you're narrowing your card pool because of other, because of other cards that are in the format, that becomes problematic. And Golos, Golos very much is as much a philosophical band as it is a practical one, right? The, the things that Golos did that you don't see are just as important. And the fact that, the fact that you couldn't, you know, there, there's not a way to quantify what exactly Golos was pushing out of the format by its mere presence is something, you know, like, like you can't articulate that. Uh, but you know, it's there again, philosophically, you know, that there are a lot of players who are like, well, I'll just play Golos or people giving advice, content creators giving advice going, well, it's better if you just play Golos. And the, the, the fact that it was so far above on uh, EDH rank above number two tells you that it was it was a very easy default choice. So as we're talking about it, I mean, and I think if the I think if the Golos ban took you by surprise, we weren't good enough at talking more about it because because I mean we've been talking about this since the beginning of the year internally and I think I think that we've signposted it along the way a couple of times that that this is a this is a card that is of concern to us um, and certainly if you'd spent any time in the format philosophy channel on the RC discord server Golos would have been a topic of discussion throughout, you know, throughout the last nine months. Um, so as, you know, as we're talking about, it really is, what does this card do into the format? And it's robbing, you know, it's to me, it's robbing the format of some of its identity that it's, that it's become such an easy default choice. 1.2% of all EDH recs, EDH rec decks were Golos decks. The 1,200, 1,300, 1,400 legendary creatures. Right? Mm. That's an overrepresentation. Um, so the, the, the thing we, we really thought about is like, what, what is this doing? And, you know, what is it making not happen? And one of, that thing that, that it was making not happen was people playing more creative commanders like it's like it's easy and it's really good right and that's not necessarily healthy for a form because it 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 just leads to this kind of homogenization and yes i get that there were different flavors of golos decks mm-hmm. but golos itself le- was leading to the fact that you you know there was no good reason for people to play anything else 
accept this. You could you could play Golos as a mono green commander if you want to, mm-hmm. and it's still really good. Um, Toby, we were on stream one day, and Toby, Toby just put it at the helm of his Omnath deck, and he's like, "This is better. This is a better commander for my deck than Omnath is." <laughs> right? Like, how do you? How do you get away from that? And you definitely want to get away from that. And, you know, we, we really want, again, you know, the theme we keep coming back to is pressure and what pressure were you under to make sure that, that you had, you had an answer to the inevitable Golo deck that you were going to um, play, play with when you, when you sat down in a right in the pot. Uh, and uh, it, it was just, we, I, I really think it was a very, very unhealthy direction for us. And um, I mean, I get that people loved it because it was good and easy, uh, but good and easy is not necessarily the thing that um, is good for the format in the big picture. I think uh, in a way to, to, to stitch this onto an adage, it could be commander is a format as his namesake is, is about the commander. It, really brings you to wonder uh, what happens when you don't have to think about the commander in the commander anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm sure uh, people listening to this will have some comments and stuff Take into consideration everything that we've just spoken just now. And if you want to articulate why you agree or disagree, you can leave them in the comments below here. And uh, I'm looking forward to some really healthy engagements uh, based on the conversations. What what I also Aww, find poor Charles, you sweet summer child. I, look, I, I, I've, I've read some of the playing with power, the, the comments about, about the playing with power videos about me, right? And if I could tossle your hair digitally, I would. <laughs> you you yeah. sweet, you sweet. Child. Never stop being yourself, Charles. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly I, right. Look, you keep that innocence, Charles. <laughs> this <laughs> podcast is for an ideal that I am trying to achieve with the community okay, because part of because and you, and you guys did this with the flash banning right like ryan was really at the forefront there with the tolerant community college you know famous for the tagline that cdh is edh it's part of that same community uh mm-hmm. and and it was felt with what you had written about the flash banning as well uh in, in your writings as well sheldon and uh and trying to break down those walls as well. Uh, and uh, for those of you who weren't in command fest DC, uh, uh, when I was there with Sheldon, I think one of the, 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 the topics and, and we can uh, segue into this is because I think that some of the tension between uh, casual players perception of CDH as like this big, bad boogeyman of pub stompers and the CDH community of, in some ways just scratching their heads and just being like, why, why are these casual players here? Like, what are they doing? Right. Or, or and then reading the, like, like, cause you see these a lot in the comments, like, Oh, Golos wasn't that broken or like, uh, or someone being like, Oh, Kenrith is even worse. Right. And, and I, and sometimes I'm just thinking like, do they like, like, what do you mean? Like, like, like what, like, like worse can be interpreted in a lot of ways. Uh, me being the person who plays a lot of mono white decks, I've been asked like, Hey, what are your top five lists of best mono white commanders? And my question is, 
well, what do you mean in terms of the definition of best, right? Like most fun to play with, right? Most creative ideas to work with because, you know, I, I can tell you, you can just slap Golos as a commander back then and just be like, yeah, you can build any flavor or style of mono white that you want with that. Right. Or if you were asking me like best mono white stacks commanders or like best mono white commanders for casual play or, and, and as you can see, like the terminology, like I see this a lot when people say this wasn't even the worst card or this wasn't even overpowered or this wasn't even broken. I think that those types of adjectives tend to only focus within a particular subset rather than, like you said, the thousand mile view of everything as a whole, because you have to be more specific than that. And this goes back to what uh, we were saying earlier about what is a game, right? To some people, winning on turn two is not a game at all, right? There's nobody had that resonant experience according to the philosophy. And to other players, uh, it's like, oh, well, that was a game. It was just a quick one. Let's just shuffle up and do another one again, right? And those kinds of conversations and philosophical outlooks need to actually be uh, communicated because when you say something is broken to someone else, particularly like a CDH player, they, they'll, they'll, they'll look at Golos like, oh yeah, Golos wasn't proud. I've seen like some casual players be like, oh yeah, Golos was so toxic in my meta. It was such a busted card and we couldn't do anything about it. And so we're so happy that it was banned. And I'm like, you know, I'm happy for you and all, but I'm not sure if you, if that was the intention for necessarily of Golos's banning, right? Uh, and, and there are like these kinds of mixed messages. Also, I just find it that people don't usually like reading. Uh, so <laughs> I mean, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so when, yeah, g- give me a bulleted list over a, yeah, of a philosophy document is what you're trying to say. Well, no, it's just list. that like, yeah. I, I do read your, your, your articles, Sheldon and, 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 I and as an enfranchised content creator, I do too. Yeah. And that's the thing. But the question is how many people, how many other people do? How many people get a copy of Sheldon's article explaining a ban yeah. right so after the ban happens? We broke the we broke the format. I mean, we broke uh, Star City Games. Um, oh, that wasn't even the ban list one. The the one that broke Star City for a little while was uh, top five Commander concerns. Yeah. Sure, Whole Breacher was trending on Twitter. <laughs> yep, yeah. Whole Breacher was. Uh, that yep. was that was that was that was crazy, and, and, and so. Like when, when it's like playing a game of telephone, how many people are actually going to get the message? You right. know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, oh, the only thing you actually hear is Hull Breacher's band. Golos right. Band. The, World I, mean, I, think, I, I really, I really hope that, um, that you can have some success with this podcast in having a very nuanced conversation because, because there are a lot of people that don't see it that way. Again, we, we were talking about the hard edges a little bit, but even I think even on the, the, the more casual side, there's a, just a if I could remove any word from the magic player vocabulary, it would be just <laughs> well, just do this or just play that. And and, you know, again, it points to it points to the idea that there are very simple answers and solutions to, to very complicated or nuanced, nuanced issues. And that's not the case. I think, you know, this is a, this is a really, really um, high end conversation and it, it can't, 
it can't have low end problems. Yeah. It is, as you right. said, it's an art, not necessarily. Mind, science. Yeah. yeah. Right. No, this is, no, this is, yeah. A, a commander is a sculpture. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, it's a piece of clay that we're, mm-hmm. we're continually molding into something uh, that's hopefully pleasing to, to look at, to experience. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's not, I, I don't think that, I think it's doing it a disservice to think that there are just simple answers. Mm-hmm. And I think also a big part of the problem is, is that whenever you have newer players, because a large set of commander players have been playing less than two years, you know, uh, and that's a very common trend that's been happening a long time. And people that are newer and aren't as enfranchised into a format like to see things a little bit more in black and white. It's sure. a little bit easier to understand when you don't have those grays to consider. So to some people it had been like, yeah, it was, it was simple. Just ban Golos or just, you know, you know, leave, leave whole breacher alone or ban whole breacher. And it seems so simple to them because it's easier to ad- subscribe to a philosophy like Charles would say, or, you know, or understand something when you're still very, very new to something. As you get deeper into things though, you find that there's, they, they, they kind of fade away into their grays. You realize when you have conversations such as these that you say, oh, well, I wasn't looking at what Golos was, you know, marginalizing. I wasn't looking at what Golos was stopping. I was only looking at what where I saw Golos. What mm-hmm. was Golos doing? It wasn't necessarily what Golos was doing is what he was preventing others from yep. doing. So in having that kind of perspective, I think, is super important. And the trouble is, is that sometimes that doesn't get communicated across when you only have so many characters in a tweet, you know, like, you know, (laughs) the standard tweet, you know, Golos is banned. My favorite commander, the RC doesn't know what they're doing or something (laughs) or standard stuff. Right. But those are the the conversations that you unfortunately don't always connect. And I, and I really wish that they would more often. And you know, it's, it's difficult it's difficult in the 280 characters of a tweet. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's difficult in the 2,500 words of an article. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. It's still, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of conversation to be had and all the factors that, I mean, one of the problems, you know, people say we want more transparency and then we give them more transparency and they lose their minds about it <laughs> because, because, you know, they, we, we give them, a, we give them, multiple moving parts of a thing they focus on one part of the thing and run you know and run away with it mm-hmm. as opposed to seeing it as a, you know a gear in a in a very uh, complex machine yeah i think uh i think that's really that, that's really natural uh for 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 people to do that uh i work as a software developer and one of the things that uh, i deal with uh with with certain people who aren't uh technically inclined is the oversimplification uh, of a problem yeah. um mm-hmm. and, and they'll be like okay all we need to do is just this and and i will and, and and i will yep. just nod just my head yeah. i will nod my head to to my client and be like yep we'll we'll do just that <laughs> meanwhile on the other end i'm doing five other things uh to While make the world's it burning down yeah yep. to make it look like as if i just did one thing Right. Uh, and and because I think that uh, uh, like it's like a 
it's an analytical aspect and it's uh, a particular skill set too that is not something that I advocate that everyone should have because I, I don't hold people to that to that level of expectation and I and I don't think of anyone less who's not really able to do that but it's like mm-hmm. uh, being able to comprehend a very complex network of things uh, is not an easy thing to do and for most people like like Ryan said if you're not like completely enfranchised into this following up on that all the time and spending, you know, a a portion of your like day-to-day life uh, digesting that uh, you won't necessarily get the full picture. And oftentimes for how your mind works for its own sake and brevity, you'll just take the one note and be like, all right, you know, that's, that's the thing that I'm going to focus on. I got the point, you know, and, and then you just, and but you miss the point yeah. by trying to distill the point. It, it gets it gets really funny at work because sometimes uh, the next day or the next week they'll come to me and it's like I thought you said it was just that and it's like well no it, it was actually like this is like <laughs> actually it was you who said it was just that <laughs> that's what the problem was yeah clients don't like to hear that FYI everyone out there yeah yeah so yeah we're, yeah we're, welcome to the world of software development in 2021 when everyone wants to be a computer scientist. Um, and, uh, but, but yeah, I, I, I want to, I want to go into the, uh, we, we only have two more talking points, uh, left to discuss. And, uh, one of the things that I want to, uh, shed some light about is, uh, the unbanning of things like what, what has gotten, uh, you to in the same way that, that you've done the deliberations and considerations for banning a card like what is the and and this is something that i feel like players because players often focus too much on a card being banned and they often like (laughs) psychoanalyze you sheldon about like (laughs) what's going on with the rc's mind and trying to like you know pry into that right i I find it that no one ever really asks like well how do they feel about this card being unbanned? Because usually most people's emotional response is like, oh, okay, well, this card's unbanned. That's cool. That's nice, right? We could use more cards being unbanned. Unbanned Paradox Engine, you know, and, and things like that. And and so nobody oh, wait, ever, right. yeah, nobody ever bats mm-hmm. an eye, right, about what the mental process was like. or or And so I was wondering, we can take this opportunity so that you can actually walk through with us about, what the what that discussion is like and how like you know components like the CAG if they're involved in it uh and 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 maybe even like if you do because similarly what you what you mentioned about Golos with EDH rec like do you look into that do you have like do you guys hypothesize like projections because you mentioned like with Worldfire you're like okay well by the way when Worldfire came out I remember you mentioning like this is on our radar. We 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 seen the previews. We're a little bit concerned about this card, and mm-hmm. I immediately ran it. I ran that thing to the ground. <laughs> like I didn't run that thing. That thing was junk. Oh my god, <laughs> that card was I, junk. You, you can you can hear me in a podcast with with, with, with Shivam, but like I mentioned all the dirty, nasty things that I did. That Sheldon had outlined all the things that 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 he had you shouldn't here. do yeah you were the reason things got banned charles i got a foil See? copy of Worldfire on day one <laughs> ladies and gentlemen if you want to direct your hate make sure you put it at the mono white guy on twitter All right. so. like not like look 
I love exiling your lands, Ryan. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're real big on that, actually. Uh, but so. but it wasn't just that. It was, I had some really nasty things that I've done with Worldfire, and I loved all of it. Like there's a for those of you brewing right now, there's a great card called. And if you're on mono red, there's a great call. There's a great card called Ignorant Bliss, which lets you exile your hand temporarily for the turn. Uh, and then you can then load up the world fire. And so you exile everything, but you still keep your hand because it'll come back at the beginning of the next end step. And uh, I've done this. <coughs> I've, <laughs> I've done this thing in Boros. <laughs> I've done this thing in Boros and also in Joyra where I get a sulfuric vortex out. And then like, I just hide it yeah. underneath an oblivion ring and then just world fire everything. And then sulfuric vortex comes out and I just pass the turn or like I loaded up with Joyra and I stop talking, Charles, <laughs> You're giving him ideas to ban world fire again. So okay. just stop. Uh, I, I'm just, you know, let's, manipulating let's listen to Sheldon. Moment. Let's listen to see yeah. hear what he has to say about the unbanned. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, the, the, the process is that we talk, right? Um, we do, and, and we've probably been doing it for the better part of 10 years now. As a mental exercise during each meeting, unban a card. Like we just pick a card on the list and argue for unbanning it. Uh, most of the time, we know that we're not, you know, we're not going to do it. But we want to make sure that our arguments are sound, that the reason that it stays on the list is good, and that we can, and that we, you know, we can talk about them when somebody says, "Why is this card banned?" Um, Worldfire, Worldfire was a case of talking about it, of somebody bringing it up, and specifically, it's like, well, you know, let's talk about this card, specifically about the card, somebody, one of the RC members. Um, and we talked about it, and we're like, uh, we're pretty sure that it's going to, that it's safe, right? That, that, it's going to get talked about a lot when it gets unbanned and then it's going to be a big nothing burger in the long run. And, um, painter servant was that way. Uh, right. The, like the, the, I like, Oh my God, the format is going to break if you unban this card. Well, guess what? And you know, we, 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 just, we, we think and talk and uh, like you said, Charles, hypothesize about the breaking point and um the the big man of, the big man of sorceries have been something we've talked about repeatedly for quite a while and uh you know in in, in the article I, I talk about the other the other two or the, the other three if you count swear the stars um that there's probably a thin line between them and world fire but Worldfire, Worldfire just seemed like, yeah, some people, like I now know, Charles is one of them, mm -hmm. um, are gonna do, are gonna, are gonna do for a short period of time, are gonna do some things with this card, and then it's gonna go away, and it's gonna go back to be a dollar rare, um, and I, I think, I think that is gonna be the case with Worldfire in the long run. I think they're gonna be, oh, I can do this, and you're gonna win a game or two with it, and you're gonna go. Yeah, it's not, I agree hundred percent. I think that's exactly it's not what's interesting going at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, and I'm I think that I think that that's what's going to happen uh, to Worldfire. Mm -hmm. uh, 
That's a great uh, you know, thing. We've already seen in the, in the what, three, four weeks, three, four weeks since then, um, the, the conversation died pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, I mean, that was, that was our prediction of what would happen. Like, okay, there'll be an uproar. And then, uh, you know, in, in six months, come talk to us. And you'll probably see that not very many people are doing anything with World Fire. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if there are other cards that we think that that's going to happen with, we would be happy to unban them. Again, we want a shorter ban list. Um, we really do. We don't like banning cards. And for those of you who, uh, for those of you listeners who think that we ban stuff because we lose to it, the opposite is true. You know, we, I actually don't think I've ever lost it. Oh, I have lost a game to Golos, the one where Toby put it at the, at the helm of his Omnath deck. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, we're more likely to ban cards that we've played and won with. Uh, and I told this story before. I swear to you, during the first game that I was playing when I built Leopold, in the in as the game was progressing, I was tech I was texting the other three people on the RC saying we need the ban this <laughs> Like that's how bad I was like when I built the deck, it was like it won't be that, but you know, it'll be fine. It'll be a little wonky, but you know, it's not going to be that oppressive. And then, um, then with the first, first Teferi's the puzzle box, I was like, well, shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, you know, now I'm the only one playing this game and we don't, I, you know, I don't want that. I, 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 you know, we don't want scenario where people are just spectators uh, in in the game that they're supposed to be participants in, uh, so you know that was it. Leibold was an easy decision, but it didn't come from where some people think it came from. It really it really came from hard experience of watching it happen, from doing it, and not like liking what the what the result was. Mm. Um, so the the burden of proof is kind of high if a card's already on the ban list. The burden of proof is a little higher for it to come off than it would be for um, for just random card uh, to to get banned. Um, but if in general, if we just think that something's not going to have that neg- big negative impact on the format, we'd rather that it would be free than than be on the ban list. Um, I'm still I'm still pretty squicky about coalition victory and buyer rhythm, right? Mm-hmm. I just uh, you know, mana dork, mana dork, buyer with them, haha, game, you know, game's over. Um, at the, at the, at the target demographic level, right? Mm-hmm. The, the problem, the problem with a card, and we, we talked about it with the home breacher, is if, if card is super good at the highest powered ends, okay, that's fine. Mm hmm. Um, if it's, if it's starting to, it's starting to sort of wreck the metagame, it's worth thinking about, right? Um, you know, I, I have, I have CDH players that I talk to all the time, right? I have a, I have a, a little discord channel with just some of the RC and some CAG members and some CDH players. And we just chat. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I go there 
um, and talk. You know, when I, uh, you know, I, I guess Braden is a little less active these days um, than his work with Star City, but, but like Cobblepot is one of the best minds in magic. Agreed. Right? Mm-hmm. So we talk. Like, I, we talk. Um, so if a card is going to bleed down out of a corner of the format into the target demographic, into the into the broader play experience, then it's then it's something of concern, right? Like every time somebody somebody um, says you have to ban Thassa's Oracle, <laughs> I'm like, show it to me in a show it to me in a game that doesn't involve the high power, and maybe we can start talking. Uh, but you know, there, there are there are folks who who just who have a have a narrow vision of what they of the experiences they want for the format. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have an idea of what they think is the optimal way for the format to operate, and um, I try I try as gently as possible to make them understand that that's not necessarily what we think the best way for the format to operate is. Mm-hmm. This is actually great in terms of moving to the last thing that I want to discuss is actually the high-powered players. Um, I've seen a little bit about that when we were in Command Fest DC, and I felt like this was a topic of conversation because this is a weird. This is actually like a very strange, like philosophical and metaphysical anomaly here because you have because CDH players are pretty, I think, well defined. Casual players are also pretty well-defined. But when you walk into the territory of uh, high-powered casual, right? Like, where, like, like, what is that, in a way? I think that, that the CDH players themselves kind of also are uh, confused in some ways as to, like, what that even looks like. Uh, and I think that casual players uh, have a... Uh, and what I mean by like casual players being well-defined is that uh, it's easy for someone to say that they're deliberately playing casual. They have an idea in their mind for what that is. Uh, but like when someone starts labeling something as, oh, that's more like high-powered casual, that's not CDH, or someone being like, oh, that's high-powered casual, that's not regular casual, right? This strange notion. And because, because then like I almost like how my mind is thinking it's like well when you say high power casual do you mean it this from a cdh player's perspective do you mean it the same way as a casual player saying that it's high power casual are you two actually identifying the same thing when you say that's a rock right and it's like well no that's more like a clay statue but you know <laughs> so uh this is sort of more of an open ended question about and this will be a question that i think uh, we'll probably be bringing up more and more because this is really, uh, I think, the uh, uh, the mold that or, or, or the glue that that brings both casual and CDH players together. It, it, it gives casual players the perception of what is CDH. It gives C- some CDH players who try to play casual ending up in this type of territory instead. And uh, it... Uh, and some people who come from other formats jumping in, right, will probably 
sometimes land in this territory. And we've seen content creators uh, like, you know, uh, Command Zone or I Hate Your Deck and such, you know, showcasing this type of thing. And and uh, some and some of even the reactions of players of like, oh, that's busted or that's broken and that type of language, I think also stemming or circling around this genre of Commander. And so, uh, but I, I, I've yet to see really a definition for what it is or a way for other people who are outside of that to be like, well, what is it? Right. And so I'll start off with uh, you, uh, Ryan, on what you think is high powered casual. Right now, high powered casual. um, I feel a lot for high powered casual players right now. Uh, They are the CEDH players of today. Um, and what I mean by that is that there is a lot of stigma around high power casual. Um, and I hate to say it, but it's from both sides of the coin. Like we have CDH players looking down in the wild at high power casual players trying to play in a CDH pod saying you're just playing high powered. You're not playing CDH. And I hate that. I can't stand it when people say that kind of thing. Um, and then we also have the other side of the coin where people are like, that's a little bit you're, you're wanting to maybe go on that end of the format and maybe not on our end of the format. Sometimes I hear the coin termed, uh, from a casual side, like it's too much for casual, right? You know, maybe target demographic, but not enough for CEDH at times from, from what some people think. And I think that's horrible. Um, I think it's awful that people are saying this to each part of these communities. I'm sorry, to this part of the community. Um, and I really want to always cultivate an open conversation about, you know, expectations and power levels and to not gatekeep parts of the format. Uh, and CDH historically has been a very gatekeepy part of the format. It's one of playing with powers, main core tenets to try and break down those walls. So having all that been said, the idea of high power from a competitive player's perspective is Uh, or a CDH player's perspective, is let's try some things that might be a little bit out of the realm of a regular casual player's perspective or or a casual player's realm. Maybe let's try something like land destruction. Maybe let's try something like stacks. Let's try something like that. But I don't want to win with the exact same 100 cards. Like, CDH is very homogenized. We all know that. You know, you see a lot of the same, you know, cards scattered throughout the 150, 200 meta quote unquote decks out there. And they want to try Enchantress. They want to try to see what happens with, you know, Selvala that isn't just combo. Maybe it's Selvala cascading an Apex Devastator into some nasty, huge things. And they love that. You know, it's what got them into Commander in the first place. And they kept wanting to see how good they could make it, how good they could make it. And then they kind of, you know, approach the doors of CDH and the CDH players are kind of looking at them and saying, well, we don't really do that here. You can't play in that sandbox. And I don't like that. And so now they have a deck that's so powerful that the rest, maybe a lot of their LGS won't play with them because it's so powerful or they have to ask specifically to play the most powerful deck you've got. But they're also not necessarily quote unquote welcome in a CDH pod. And That's tough. That's a really hard spot to be in. You want to play with more powerful things, but you don't want to necessarily play the CDH style. And 
that's a hard spot to be in. It's a really difficult spot to be in. Sheldon, um, my question for you is uh, during Command Fest DC, what were some of the issues that you've seen with that community either coming from uh, either happening to it or coming from it and sort of like, is, has this been something on the RC's radar and something that they've been thinking about in terms of this target demographic? Well, I, I think high powered casual is um, a greased pig. And as soon as you get your hands or your hands on it, it's going to slip away from you. Right. You, it's, I think it's undefinable. Mm-hmm. Although I, I think it's undefinable. Although if you said, is, is that high powered casual? I might say yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, like I hate your deck is high powered casual. Mm-hmm. Right. The, that that's they're They're definitely, they, they haven't, um, they haven't crossed the, they haven't bridged the gap yet over to the, to the, um, the CDH level. Uh, but they're certainly way high power, more high powered than, um, than I would call target demographic. And, um, I, I think the, the answer to your question is no, it's not really on the RC radar. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, at least collectively, you know, I, I would imagine that individually we, uh, the amount of attention we pay to the broader corners of the format is, is different for all of us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I might have different, um, thoughts on it than Scott does or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think that trying to define power levels is inherently problematic. Mm -hmm. I agree. Like there's, like there's almost, there's, almost no win there. Mm-hmm. I would love if we could develop, and one of the great pieces of advice I've gotten from uh, people like Olivia um, is you need to develop a vocabulary that that players can, um, can wrap their brains around and use as a way to sort of define power levels and get into the games. And I'm like, this this vocabulary would have to be so broad, uh, you know. Number levels have a purpose, but don't don't fulfill every uh, you know. Don't solve every problem. Um, what your deck does, from as far as I'm concerned, what your deck does is not as important as when your deck does it. Right? If it does super broken thing on turn ten. Well, that's the game we signed up for, right? Mm-hmm. I, I would say, I would say that even in the target demographic, um, that that's an, that's acceptable. Like once once we get into double digit turns, do whatever the hell you want, <laughs> right? Like bringing out blood bond combo on turn ten is a yawn, but sure, mm-hmm. right? The game's got to end. Um, so yeah, a defining defining power levels is just is fraught, which is one of my favorite words to use, fraught. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's intense. It becomes intensely problematic. And you, I think you end up doing, um, you're pushing things around and trying, to, and trying to give them names that don't necessarily fit. 
So numbers and I, I mean, again, high powered saying high powered casual is like saying pornography. Yeah, yeah. You know right? it when you say when you see it, but you can't really describe it. You can't really articulate a good definition because then there's always, well, okay, does this fit? No, that doesn't fit. Well, does this? No, that doesn't fit either. Mm-hmm. And then, and then but you, you know realize, it when you see it. Right. You realize mm-hmm. that your any definition that you've provided mm-hmm. is insufficient for describing the thing that you're trying to describe. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, to be fair, we believe the commander is best played with people you know, mm. right? I, I love the fact that a thousand people come to Command Fest, or 1,500 people come to I love that. Um, and I hope that, you know, that I get to know some new people there. But I'm looking, I'm look, when I go to those things, I'm looking more for the experience of being with people who share the passion for the hobby and not necessarily the best games. Although I've had some pretty memorable, yeah. You know, I've had some, I think I'm, I think I understand the amount of privilege that I enjoy, but I think that I've I've had a pretty good experience at um, at the big events uh, at playing with people, right? And, and you know, I haven't had that many bad games, mm. to be honest. Uh, yeah, okay, sure. There's you know, there's the the Joyra player who suspends apocalypse and yay world fire. Oh, dude, I'd also love Apocalypse <laughs> as well, but yeah. All right, anyway, um, <laughs> suspense <but>, world fire. <laughs> uh, so, so it, to, to directly answer your question, high powered casual is kind of meaningless to us at this point, right? It it doesn't it's in in that it's meaningless in that it doesn't really describe a thing that we can reasonably action take action on yeah or or even reasonably philosophically um you know move in the direction mm-hmm. right it just you know what is it uh well hey you remember that one game where <laughs> you remember that one game where joe did this yes okay sure i would call that high power casual um but i i think i think the lesson in trying to define power levels and whatnot is reinforcement of what we think. And that reinforcement is find the people that you want to play commander with uh, and don't, and don't play with the ones you don't, which is, I mean, which is what makes those pregame conversations when you go to command fest that much more important, Mm -hmm. right? You with the eight or 12 people that you regularly play with, Again, you know, like like we were talking about earlier, Ryan. Part of the conversation has already been had, right? Mm-hmm. You you don't you don't keep having the same conversation every time. It's like, okay, yeah, tonight, um, Charles, if you don't play your Jory deck, that'd be best. You know, that's not what I'm in the mood for. Mm-hmm. Um, I only or, play mono white now, but <laughs> but, <laughs> but, yeah. but we don't uh, say, hey, I'd like to play the most broken stuff. Yeah, right. yeah, we know that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I really think that uh, more definition of power levels is is probably counterproductive at this point until we can really, uh, it, 
this has been, a, you know, it's been a search that I've been on for the last year or so um, in, in, can we do this? And I think the answer is, man, it's really going to be hard. Yeah. I think uh, for uh, my perspective on this is that uh, after hearing you out here, Sheldon, is the high-powered uh, casual or, or high-powered commander is something that is a uh, symptom, not a cause, is something that has emerged from the dynamics of there being a casual EDH community and all these different casual community groups and uh, some of the CDH communities and the problems within the, their own communities and some of that miscommunication, uh, creating this weird anomaly in the first place. And mm -hmm. uh, the more we massage the other ends, the more the middle smooths itself out, I think. And, uh, and so, yeah, this, this will be something that we'll, we'll, we'll have discussions about in uh, later episodes. This will be, I think, our season one overarching theme about what is high powered? What does it mean? What are some of the things that, that, that emerge from it? And we'll talk about, and we won't talk about this directly. And sort of like Sheldon's plan here is that we'll talk about all the various aspects about commander. And, and this will be something that, that ties these subjects together on to, on this episode, we talked about bannings and understanding more about bannings and uh, the commander philosophy and, what it means to have something banned and what it means to have something unbanned. Um, I'll leave you guys with uh, final thoughts, anything you guys want to add or say or mention. Uh, and uh, starting with you, Sheldon. Well, uh, if you want to find me, you can always come over to the Commander RC Discord. Uh, there is lively conversation in the Format Philosophy channel all the time. Uh, so that's a, that's a great place to come. If you think you have something you want to say about process, about the way we about the way we think about the format, that's a really really good place to go. And obviously, if you want to find me on social media, uh, just type in my name, and I'll be there. Ryan, uh, same thing. Uh, if you're looking to find us, uh, it's playing with power. Uh, we're primarily on YouTube, uh, but we also have a podcast on all your major podcast aggregators. We talk about the highest uh, level of the format. So we try to play more into the high ends of things and see what that high end can really bring people in terms of fun and a good time. So uh, check us out playing with power on YouTube, uh, on Twitter, all your social media outlets, as well as all your podcast podcast aggregators. Yeah. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Ilvaldi, I-L-V-A-L-D-I. Uh, and you can hear all of my takes on there. I'm also a member of Mind Sculptors. Uh, if you like what you see here, please sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, we have a link tree in the uh, down below where you can find all of our other various members, Cobblepot included, as he was mentioned here today. Uh, and uh, if you also want to talk with me twitter is a great place but you can also find me and other various mind sculptor members on discord i'm also on the plane with power discord as well just at me as the mono white guy uh and i think that wraps up today and uh i hope you all have 
beautiful day, guys. I'm in line with the stars. I'm in sync with the earth. Ten toes deep, flower child from the turf. I never switch sides. Like, even when I die, I'm a ride for the squad. Lot of ties in the hearse. I've been on the vibe, kind of hard to describe. I'm in between, I'm good and it's fine, but I'm tired of the grind. Then I come alive in the night to realize I'm in the middle of the time of my life. I'm never so packed for the stack. Never lied on the back. Got a bag from the way that I write it. Queen looking Tyson. Do that I survived doing 80 to the house. Then I hit it to the sky. Change haters on a tirade.